How do we stay awake as believers in this year of 2016? Christmas Eve night, my wife and I left the building here and we were going west on James Street and it was one of those moments where everything started, it, it went slow motion on me. It happened so fast. There was a vehicle behind me. I saw the vehicle in my rear view mirror. There was a car coming towards me. And out of nowhere comes what I thought was a deer, but it was a German shepherd that was running across the street. And he didn't look both ways. He found himself looking at me and me at him. And I was traveling about 40 miles an hour. And it was one of those things where had I continued moving forward, going in the direction I was going, I was going to hit this, it looked like a fairly young pup of a German shepherd. And so I swerved to avoid hitting the dog, but the car was coming towards us in the other lane. And again, it happened so fast that to swerve to miss the dog and then swerve to miss the vehicle hitting the brakes of the vehicle coming towards me and then looking in the rear view mirror to see the car slamming on his brakes so that he wouldn't hit us. It all happened so fast. If I were to take that German shepherd aside and say, son, you need to look both ways. <laughs> That's what we did with our kids. We trained them to look both directions when they crossed a street. And as they grew, they understood the importance of that because there's danger if we don't look both directions. I would suggest to you this morning that for us to be awake in the year that is coming, that we need to look in both directions. If we look back, can I just give you three key words that came to my mind this past week as I thought of the ministry here at Parkside Bible Church? I'd like to use the first word, which is the word challenges. This last year has been a year for us as a congregation of many challenges. It has been so good to be back in a local congregation, and it is a real joy to be a part of Parkside. But as I have heard many of you discuss and talk about our experience as a congregation, we have gone through some major challenges this past year. The passing away and the passing on of people like Al Anderson and Don Lawton, Dave Timmer, Terry Agel, Paul Walters, Pastor Henry Hudson are just a list of a few that have gone before us. And as we have attempted to try and take in what that means and these people that have meant so much to us, to you, has been a challenge. It has created for us a sense of how short life is. And people that have meant so much and have meant so much to this church <clears throat> are no longer here. Who's going to take up the baton for the next generation? I think of the word exhilarating. This year for me and maybe for you has been at least... Personally, it has been a year of exhilaration, thoroughly enjoying the fact that we are here together, 
to worship and to serve together. And for my soul, it has been such a time of joy and excitement to meet new people and to know that we're doing this together has been for me. Hopefully you can identify with this word exhilarating. I think of Family Bible Hour, a time and a place where we are purposely wanting people to learn the scriptures. There is nothing greater. There is nothing greater that turns the heart of God's heart more than anything else for you and I to be students of him. And it's not just learning a dusty history book, it's learning the word of God so that we come to know him better. How do we come to know him? Not just taking walks in nature. There's a limit to our understanding of what we can see with our eyes and experience with creation. But it's through the written word that we come to know him. That thrills my heart and I think it thrills the heart of God when he sees God people thirsting for the word of God, wanting more of the scriptures. I think of our youth this morning. What a, what a powerful presentation that these young ladies did this morning. I hope that we embrace that and we say to these young women, there's a place for you in the local church. And we embrace that. The arts, we leave dancing for the secular. Shame on us. This ought to be a place where we dance before God and Christ and the arts of music and drama and dance. All of that belongs to God. Why do we give it to the world and say, you can do that, but we're too stiff. We can't do that here. Yes, we can. Because God's the author of dance. Look at how he dances amongst himself in the Trinity. They have been doing an eternal dance that is unbelievable, three in one. Try and dance with two other people. It's hard enough to dance with one person. Try to dance with two. You talk about choreography. Exhilarating to see what God has brought us here for this moment, for such a time as this. And so my third word that I share with you this morning as I look back and as we look back would be the word thankful. God has been so gracious to us. And hopefully this morning as we look back, we will see how he has been very gracious to us as his people. Yes, there have been challenges and there have been opportunities for us to grow spiritually. But he has been faithful. We share in our fellowship together, we share in our unity, we share in our partnership together. And friends, as we look back this morning, can I take us back to the cross? Because if we're ever going to look back, in fact, I would encourage you, if you're going to look back to yesterday, make sure you always look back far enough and you go back all the way to the cross. Because it is the cross, it is there that this table has been put together from the scriptures to remind us to always look back and to look back to the cross because it's there that Christ died for our sins. It's where our salvation began and it ends there. He said, it is finished. And so as we look back this morning, hopefully we're challenged. There's an element of exhilaration and there's a spirit of thankfulness that we have. But let's look forward 
Let's look to 2016. Would you take your Bibles and turn with me to Matthew chapter 14? Matthew chapter 14. This is a great story in the scriptures where Jesus walks on water. But this description of Jesus in Matthew 14, verses 22 and following, describes for us Peter's experience with Jesus, one of the close friends of Jesus, Peter. Verse 22, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side where he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked out on the water, and came towards Jesus. But verse 30 says, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt Can I encourage us as we consider 2016 that we step out of the boat this next year? As a congregation, I believe that we're going to have some opportunities to trust him. Trust and faith continues to be what God asks us to do of him. He's going to stretch us. He's going to nudge us. He might even push us to believe that he's going to provide for our needs. And Peter's experience here is when he took his eyes off of Jesus, he began to sink. Let's keep our focus and our eyes on Christ. Let's always know that he's the focus of what we do at Parkside. And as the winds blow and as the storms erupt around us, don't fear, know that he's here, and believe that he will take care of his church, the body of Christ. And as Peter experienced this wonderful story in Matthew 14, I believe that Jesus calls us today to be courageous people for him, to go to Malaysia and share the gospel in an unsafe territory of the world. It's no safer here. Be courageous. Stand for him. Don't fear, as the psalmist says, If we believe and trust in God when hard times come, the man or the woman who fears the Lord will not be disrupted because of the bad news. Psalm 112. Be courageous. Come into the core of the church. Some of us, we live in the church, and if I were to put a bullseye out and ask you, where do you fit in the church? Is it the center 
Is it kind of on the outskirts or is it on the way outskirts? We were throwing darts yesterday at our son's house. And sometimes the one that threw the dart would miss the board completely and throw the dart off of the dartboard. Bad shot. Not good. You don't want to be out there. You want to score points. In fact, the further and the closer you become to the middle, who's Christ, move yourself further and closer into the core. And that might require for some of us to move into some ministries that we haven't considered before. But keep your eyes on Christ and he will not let you sink. The other key word that I'd like to share with you this morning is the word of sacred versus secular. There's an article that I found in this Trends 2016 magazine this last week. It's entitled, Examining Changes That Will Affect the Church in the Next 12 Months and Beyond. And this article is written by Mary Jo Sharp. I'd just like to share with you a couple of thoughts here. She says, in my experience, Christians are adopting an ideology of our culture that must be recognized and confronted head on. Dividing life between the sacred and the secular. As a result, our society will begin to see more emphasis on, quote, keeping your religion out of, quote, politics, schools, business, public debate, and anything in which a person might have to engage in public discourse. The reasoning will come directly from the sacred-secular split. Belief in God is strictly opinion-based and should therefore be kept private. As a result, Christians will feel more intimidated than ever before to discuss their view of God. This ideology is being pressed on us today in our culture. You keep your religion right here in the, in the, in the confines of this building. If you do that, you're fine. But if you go outside and you share, that's not politically accepted. Can I encourage us as a people that we will continue to live and share our faith outside of these walls? If churches do that today, if we do that, we will be challenged. Are we up for the challenge? You bet. How about it? You know why we're up for it? Because of these elements right here. Because Jesus Christ did it for us already. When he came into this world, there was no friendliness here to him. They crucified him. They, it wasn't the Jews only, it wasn't only the Gentiles. We have blood on our hands. And the blood on our hands is the blood on his hands for us. And he has forgiven us. And here we sit. So look both ways. Over the next three, four days, I want to encourage you to take some time to do some evaluation of your heart and where you're at spiritually. This is a great time to do some evaluations. Over the next three, four days, think about your faith. Think about what God is calling you, young person, to do and to be. Parents, what is God asking? Maybe there's some steps that we're going to take this next year. As we look back and as we look forward, we got a bright, bright future because of him.